Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. That was a very quiet intro. Um, and an amazing song, right? Like that was, that was just an incredible song. Hey. <laughs> Am I being too loud? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, welcome to Lovely Norman. We are thrilled that you're here. Uh, I got my great friend and our staff team, uh, Connections Pastor Ethan Pope here to do the message with me this morning. Um, I know. We're like a dynamic duo, you and I. Uh, <laughs> very exciting. Um, you doing good? For us at least. It's very exciting for us. You just changed sweaters. I did. This one is not as ugly. I did too. Yeah. Um, uh, I didn't want you guys to be staring and be distracted by the gigantic unicorn it's hard that was on. Yeah. It's, it's challenging to yeah. preach with a unicorn uh, Correct. shirt. Correct. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, so welcome. We're thrilled that you're here. Uh, this is a series called Manger Throne, and we've been asking this question, what does a manger have to do with a throne? Like a manger is a trough for, for food that they used to use. Sometimes they build it out of wood. Sometimes they build it out of stone. And, uh, and, and it was very, very just, just something that was happening on the farm, you know, and out in the woods and whatever. They would feed their <laughs> cattle that way, feed their livestock that way. And, uh, and yet Jesus came to earth, and if you're, uh, if you're a Christian, and we never assume that everybody is in the room, if you're a Christ follower, uh, one of the things that we believe is that God came to earth, right? Like God came to earth, and he, uh, in, in the most uh, remarkable and unbelievable of ways, he, uh, he, he was born in Bethlehem, and uh, part of the story is that he was laid in a, a manger, like a, a place that wasn't built for him, uh, a place that was to, to feed the livestock. And, and, uh, and so from a Christian perspective, we not only believe that that manger uh, happened and that story happened, but we believe that God came to earth and, and that that manger is actually um, a throne. And so we want to talk about uh, this, this story today from the scripture. In fact, we're going to talk about two different, um, two different guys in, um, in, in this story and share some of this with you. But before we start that, um, I want to tell a little story about... Yeah, do it. Yeah, and then you're going to tell a story. Um, That's true. And then I'm going to say something, and then you're going to say something else. That is what's going to happen. <laughs> that is what's going to happen. So, We've practiced uh, this. We, I think. Yeah. we really Kinda did not. We really did not. Um, so I, when I was a kid, I took piano lessons. Anybody take piano lessons? Anybody really good at piano? Keep your hand raised because our uh, worship team is, is always looking. I'm writing these names down. Yes. Uh, so I took piano lessons for, uh, from second grade until fourth grade. And I took them because my parents made me take them. And so uh, every Tuesday afternoon, my mom would drive my brother and me, he's two years older than me, we were both taking piano lessons, and he would, she would drive uh, us to our piano teacher's house, and uh, we, we sat through the torture of, what I felt like, of piano lessons. And the best thing about being uh, at her house and doing that piano lesson was that when my brother was having his lesson, I would go out back, and the, there was this creek out back, and I would jump around on the rocks and play back there. That's the, that was my favorite thing about piano lessons, was getting to play at our piano teacher's house. And, uh, and so it went on for a couple of years, and finally I got to this point every, every week probably, I think, from the beginning. I was begging my uh, parents to let me quit, and they, and they were like, no, keep going, keep going, keep doing it. Finally, I don't know if it was because I just pushed them so hard that they, they, they just were like, I, I can't take it anymore, fine, you can quit. And so uh, in fourth grade, I quit piano lessons. I, I, just, I just quit, and I was so excited about that, and I remember what my mom said. My mom said, 
That's fine, but you're going to come to regret this day. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to, <laughs> there's no way, right? There's no way I'm going to regret not taking piano lessons. Um, I, I went because they made me. Like I, I, in, in that sense, I cared enough to go, right? But what I cared about was the fact that they would basically be upset with me if I didn't go, and they were making me go, and so that's, that's really what I cared about. I didn't care in that moment about learning piano. I didn't care about any, any, any of that. And I stand here today, and I just want to tell you that my mom was right. Like, she was right. I regret not being able to play. I, I, I watch Danny up here play, and I watch my kids play, I mean, I, like, and I, and I want to be able to play. And I know, I could, go, I could still take lessons now. I could do that, right? But, like, I wish that I had kept on going, right? But the reality was that, that I cared, but I only cared enough to go because my parents were making me go. And uh, that, that, that was the truth. The truth was I cared, but not enough to do something about it, right? Like, I, I cared about it. But I didn't care enough to like continue. I didn't care enough to do something about it. I didn't, I didn't care enough to, to take that uh, to, to the next level. And I, I really actually regret that. You got a story like that? I do. Uh, I wasn't a nerd and didn't take piano. I played <laughs> oh. sports. I'm kidding. No. <laughs> I love baseball. But who's my, where's my baseball people at? Y'all. It's the other, all, everyone's like, oh, baseball's so boring. No, it's the greatest sport of all time. And I played uh, throughout elementary school into middle school, and I quit in eighth grade. And the reason I quit is, is it's kind of it's sad. I mean, I, I really wanted to play in ninth grade. I really wanted to try out for our team. Um, it wasn't I stopped loving baseball or I stopped wanting to play baseball. I really wanted to play baseball. But I heard these stories about this, this kid in high school. I was going to be a ninth grader. There was this, this kid named Madison, and he was amazing. He was a pitcher, and he was throwing, like, crazy speeds. I, I, those kind of ball, I couldn't hit that. Like, I couldn't hit those, those, that speed. And so, so I quit. Now, Madison, his last name was Bumgarner. Those who are laughing knows that uh, Madison went to play for the Giants. Is that true? It's true. He was, I wrote some stats down. Four-time All-Star, three-time World Series champion, 2014 World Series MVP, and 2014 Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year. So, I mean, I was justified in not wanting to, <laughs> to play baseball against him. So I quit. I quit, I quit the team. Um, you see, my problem was I, I loved baseball, but it, it would cost me too much. You see, if I had tried out and if I had made the team, well, some things would have happened. I would have had to change my schedule a little bit. I would have had to work pretty hard. I would have inconvenienced myself a little bit. I would change my schedule, work super hard. A lot of things would change because I had made the team. That would cost something. Now, if I had tried out and didn't make the team, that would have cost something even more, my pride. It would, it would cost uh, the feeling of being let down, disappointed in myself. I would have never probably tried out for another team ever again if I tried out and was cut from the team. You see, I loved baseball, but I didn't love it enough to pay the cost. I cared, but not enough to do something about it. I cared, but not enough to do something about it. Now, so maybe you've experienced the same thing. Maybe it's a house project, and you care about it, but just not enough to do something about it. I gotta change a bunch of doorknobs in my house. My wife's been asking me for like 30 days. Maybe. <laughs> How do you get into your doors? Uh, just, you, you just pull them real hard. Oh, really? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Maybe there's a job that you, you should have applied for. You cared about it, just not enough to do something about it. Maybe it's a relationship or a conversation that you know you should have. You care about that person, but you're just not willing to do it. You care, but just not enough. There's plenty of things in this life that you might care about, just not enough to do something about it. Maybe it's even for you, it's, it's God. Maybe you care about having a relationship with, with God. You care about coming to church. You care about things like this. Just not enough to do something about it. I care, but not enough to do something about it. Or, on the other hand, maybe you care and you're ready to do something about it. You're ready to do something about it. Today, we're going to talk about two men. One who, who cared, just not enough. Mm-hmm and one who cared and did something about it. Yeah, so uh, as you might know, there's a guy in the story named Joseph in the Christmas story, and Joseph was a, uh, a, a young man. He grew up in a town called Nazareth. It was a, a part of Galilee, and Nazareth, it, you, you may remember this from the Bible, uh, there's a guy at one point who says, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? And uh, it was known as kind of this, this little backwater podunk town where not a lot of good things happened, not a lot, it wasn't famous for really anything. Uh, but Joseph grew up in this place. And one of the things that happened was that Joseph um, was, his father was a carpenter, we think. And so his father um, taught him from an early age, he would take him along on his, on his work, uh, his, his work, like his work time during the day, and he would train him up and help him learn how to fix things, how to be a carpenter, how to, how to do this job. And so Joseph was growing up and he was learning how to, um, he, he would be making tables and making chairs. And I'm thinking maybe he was working on other people's homes. And, and so he was in this small community and he was probably known by everybody because he was the carpenter. He was, he was maybe at that point the carpenter's son and he was taking over for his father's business. And so everybody knew that Joseph's the guy that you call when you need something fixed. And so there was this family, I think maybe they lived down the road and another, another kind of nice, very kind-hearted family. And, and these families knew each other and they had Joseph as their son. And this family had a young girl who was really kind and, and sweet. And, and they, in that day, uh, practiced something called betrothal. And so the families would actually get together and they would decide together and maybe they talked to Joseph and Mary about it, but they all decided, okay, um, Mary and Joseph are going to be married. And so they entered into this period of, of what's called betrothal, where it lasts like a year or more, and it's just this kind of, kind of arrangement, not only between Joseph and Mary, but between their, uh, their, their families. And so it was a really exciting time for Joseph. I mean, he was like, that, that probably motivated him to work a little harder, and he was having this vision for his life and their life, their life in Nazareth together, and they were going to have a family, and they're going to work hard, and they're going to be a part of the community, and and uh, be a part of, of the, the temple and everything that came with that. And um, here's how our story begins. Uh, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Because Joseph, her husband, was was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. And so you've got these two upstanding families who have come together and yet united, and they said, our our kids are going to be married, our families are going to be connected in this way, our families are going to join together, and suddenly 
Um, it all unravels. Joseph has this dream about his life and about his work and about his family and about just his, his future happiness, right? And like it all in that moment starts to go to come unravel because Mary is pregnant. Mary's pregnant. And Joseph knows, like, he didn't do it. I mean, he, he knows that, but, but not everybody else knows that. And he doesn't know if he can believe her story or not because she comes at him and she tells him this story of how an angel came to me and told me that I was going to be pregnant, but with the, the Messiah. And he's going, that makes no sense. Like, like how, in, how does that actually make sense? Right? Like, how in the world does that make sense? sense that God came to you, Mary. I mean, I know you're, you're amazing and I, I'm, I, we're going to have an incredible family together. And I thought we were anyway, but, but you really believe that that happened? And so what you see in that passage is, is what Joseph was thinking about. He had every right to disconnect from her. Like, like in, in that culture, he had every right actually to take her in front of like a crowd of people and publicly disgrace her and basically say, we are getting divorced. We are, we are going to not pursue this because you have done something that has caused us to, to break this relationship. And he had every right, in fact, in the law to, to disgrace her and humiliate her in that way in front of everybody. And that way he would save his own reputation. And so Joseph is weighing all of these things out and he could have just taken her and sent her away, right? Just, just kind of, I'm going to send you away. I'm going to go on and live my life and make the best of it. And you're going to go on and live your life. And, and gosh, if that had happened, you know how her life would have been? It would have been like a life full of, of loneliness, a life full of shame, a life of disgrace that she would have never, ever gotten over. And so um, Joseph is an upstanding man. He's a kind man. And so he goes, I can't do that. Like I, I can't publicly disgrace. I, I can't put her out in the middle of everybody and, and do that to her. But also I can't marry her. Like I can't, I can't marry this woman. And so he has this mind. He's going to, I'm just going to like shake the dust off. I'm going to move on with my life. She's going to move on with hers and we're going to make the best out of a really bad situation. And then this happens. He considered this, right? He, he, he just went, I, that is probably what I ought to do. He wrestled with it. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. And you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. That the virgin will conceive. He's going back and he's looking at Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's incredible. He has this visit from this angel. And so the question Joseph had to answer in that moment was, do I care enough? Do I care enough about not only her, but, but what I've heard? Do I care? I mean, I care, but do I care enough to let this change my life? Uh, the, the question, and maybe it's a question that, that we can pose to you this morning as well and, and ourselves. Do I care enough to, to like do something about it? Do I care enough to do something about it? That's... Uh, that's our first guy, Joseph. Yeah, while, while Joseph is, is wrestling with that, 
while he's seeing these, these, this angel talk to him, come to his, in his dreams. Across town, um, there's someone else. There's an innkeeper. And we pick up in Luke chapter 2. Um, or Luke 1, rather. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So uh, these, these uh, censuses were taken so people could go back to their town. Uh, they could find the number of people living in that town, probably because of taxes. So Joseph, same Joseph, also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. So Joseph's going to home. He's going home, and he needs a place to stay. Joseph needs a place to stay. Now, this, this innkeeper, if you've heard the Christmas story, there's an innkeeper in that story. The innkeeper, uh, he would have worked hard to have gotten to where he was in this story, worked hard to, to, to have this, this inn. He would have, uh, he would have been a, uh, a small business owner who probably worked day and night to provide for his family. Really hard, worked really hard. He would, uh, this influx of people coming back into town, It would have been good for business, but it would have just added to his stress. There's so many people coming back into town. Every single room is full. It's packed, which is good, but stressful. He's doing everything he can to not only take care of his animals and his family, but to take care of these guests in his inn. So he, Joseph, went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. I imagine this innkeeper was a lot like you and I. Maybe not on paper, but if you, you were to look, look at his life, he probably worried about money. He wanted to have a really good relationship with his wife. He wanted the best for his kids. He would have had strained relationships, maybe with his in-laws, He would have had friends in town that he wanted to see more, but he didn't see them a lot. He would have relationships with other people in town, good and bad in history. People knew him. He was a lot like you and I. He had dreams for his life. That some he he knew that some of the dreams that he had just weren't going to pan out. So he was an innkeeper. So on paper, nothing like you and I. But in reality, he had a lot in common with us. So he hears a knock at his door. Don't forget it's full. Every room is full. And in front of him stands this guy and his pregnant wife asking, hey, you got a room for us? My wife's kind of pregnant. You got a a place? Kind of pregnant. Kind of. Do you have a place that we could stay? And verse 7 says this, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. After that knock on the door, after that conversation, the innkeeper and Joseph talked. The innkeeper's thinking, do I care enough to do something about this? Only a little bit. Hmm. Only bare minimum. Yeah, I, I don't really have a room for you. But you can go, you know, hang out with the animals. He did the bare minimum. 
So we really don't know much about the innkeeper. That actually is all that happened. It, it could have happened a different way, but the way I see it, the innkeeper was not remembered for much. The innkeeper was not remembered for much. I mean, people are, are rarely remembered for indifference. People aren't writing books about people who are apathetic. Ah, I, I care a little bit, but not a lot. We don't know how his story ended, but I do know, I do know that he was not remembered for much. His life didn't change after that encounter with Joseph and Mary. And because his life didn't change, his life didn't change anything else. He cared, but just not enough. And if, if we're brutally honest with ourselves, maybe that's how we feel today. I care, just not enough to do something about it. I care only a little bit. I care, but I don't want to pay the cost. I care, but I really don't want to change my life or my schedule or, or whatever else is going on. I care, but just not enough. You see, there, there's something that happens when we, when we care only a little bit. There's something happens, something happens when we're apathetic. Something happened to the, the innkeeper. Three things, actually, that I want to I point out. The first thing is this. His life didn't change. Good or bad, it just stayed the same. His purpose in life, well, who knew if he ever found it? I don't know. But it just stayed the same. His life did not change. I would say for us in this room right now, you're here because you want your life to look a little different. I do. I want to care about something so much that my life changes. His did not. The second thing is this. He was an outsider looking in. I would imagine after that encounter, he probably didn't think about it much anymore until the day where he heard about Jesus. Wait, is that the same Jesus and Mary and Joseph that were at my door? But at that point, he was just an outsider looking in. I don't know about you, but I, I don't ever want to feel like that. I don't ever want to feel like, oh, I missed out. And now I just have to look and see. I can experience. I'm, the, I'm on the outside looking in. And the last thing is this. He missed out on being a part of a larger story. The results of, of, of looking, being on the outside looking in, you're missing out on being part of a larger story. All of that. And maybe more happened just because he cared but not enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that's, enough. That's really good. So Joseph, back to Joseph, right? Like he's in this point where he's got to make a decision. What does he do? You know, how, how, how much is he going to invest and involve himself in this thing? Because he's sitting, you know, similarly, like a, a, the, the sort of the door gets knocked for him and he has to respond one way or the other, right? And so we find in the back in the back, uh, book of Matthew to the, at the end of that piece of the story, here's what happened. Joseph woke up and he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him in that dream, and he took Mary home as his wife. And then verse 25, well, uh, he didn't consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name um, Jesus. He gave him the name Jesus. And, and like, like we said, like the, the innkeeper is kind of this almost fictional. I mean, we know just a sliver about him. So, so we're kind of making some assumptions there. But you see these two different things, right? You've got this one, one situation where it's like, I, I care, uh, you know, just, just enough. 
And to your point, that's often the way that we live life. It's like, I, I, I care, but how much do I really want to invest? I care, but how much do I really want my life to change? And yet the reality is when I look at my life, and maybe it's true for you too, there are things I, I need to have change in my life. There are places that I want to have change in my life and in my heart, and I can't change them on my own. And that's our frustration. And maybe that's why you're here. Some part of you, at least, is that I know that there's something bigger than me. I know that there's a truth out there that's something um, more than just me. And I, I not only want it, I need it in my life. I need it in my life. And I think Joseph faced that decision and he kind of went, okay, I, I, I'm in. I'm scared. I don't know what this is going to do. It's going to turn my life completely upside down. And this is not what I expected because I had this list of things that I was looking forward to in Nazareth that we were going to build a house. We were going to have a family. We were going to just live this nice, quiet life. We're going to have friends and they're going to come over to our house. We're going to go over to theirs and it's going to be amazing. And we're going to live there the rest of our lives, just like my parents did. And God has this other door that he's opening up for him. And he, he, he invites them in and Joseph has this choice to make and he makes this choice. And when he did, you know what he did? Like one of the things that happened was that um, he, he decided I'm stepping into the mess. You know, like I'm, I'm stepping into this situation. I'm choosing the, the, the mess. Isn't it cleaner actually if he just backs away? And, and some of us, I mean, we face those decisions a lot, right? Big and, big and small. Uh, sometimes, it gets, sometimes it's relationships or it's, it's your marriage, right? Where you're like, I don't know if I want to keep stepping into this mess or if I just want to like back away. Um, some of you, it's, it's in your career where, where you're like, I, I just don't know if I want to dig into that as opposed to just like punching my time card. We used to have time cards. Um, you never had we, a time card I never in your had life. A card. No, no. <laughs> what was your first What time? do they even mean? What is a time card? Does anyone ever, you remember time cards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ace Hardware. I've made three thirty-five an hour. I punched that time card in there when I was. Yeah, <laughs> I'm old. Um, so where was I? Uh, three dollars. Three dollars and thirty-five cents. You would like work all day for like twelve dollars. Well, today inflation. That's like sure. ninety dollars an hour. That's, uh, <laughs> that's right. You were making so much money. <laughs> they valued those floor assistants. Um, I knew where the nails were. That's about it. So, uh, but stepping into the mess is what Joseph did. He made that choice and it made every single difference in his life. You know, the other thing, like another thing that he did was that he put his reputation on the line. I mean, one of the things that he, he just said, he considered it and he said, okay, this is worth my reputation. For, for, for how many of us is, is it like, am I going to, like, like following God is about our reputation, you know, and, and, and am I going to actually go there and, and risk my, my reputation, and especially if you're young, like if you're middle school, high school, or even younger here today, like that's a big deal. Maybe even bigger than for, for some of the rest of us who are a little older, but, but you think about that. You, you think, well, if I follow God here, what's that gonna mean for my friends, right? If I follow God in this way, what is that gonna mean for how they, how they see me, what they think about, what they think about me? What, what, what does that mean for them? And the other thing that he did was he put his future at risk. He went into the unknown. I mean, he had, a, he had sort of a career lined up. He had, he had people, he had relationships, and all of a sudden he's gonna put himself in this place where maybe he gets like blackballed. Maybe he has to move. And in fact, he did have to move, right? Like a long way away. And so, oh my goodness, he, he put his whole future on the line. He, he had a lot to consider. But, but you know what he said? Like at the end of the day, Joseph said this. He said, I care and I'm ready to do something about it. I care about this and I'm ready to do 
it's something about it. You know, we live in this sort of, well, I guess we live in the Bible Belt, but so many people are, are, are from other places that it doesn't really, you know, isn't really that anymore. But there is this sense of like cultural faith or cultural Christianity where we just say, I'm just gonna kind of go to, go to church and do the thing. And yeah, I go to Love Lake Norman or I go here, I go there. And that's, that's what we answer when someone asks if we go to church somewhere. But that's sometimes about it. The invitation is for so much more. It's for so much more. And, and, and I'll tell you this, like when Joseph said, I care and I'm ready to do something about it, there were some things that happened because he stepped in. One of them is this, he got involved in what God was doing. He didn't just involve himself in what he was doing with a little God on the side. He got involved in what God was doing. And that made all the difference. He got involved in what God was up to. I'll tell you what else he got, he got involved in. He got involved in things that, um, that, that were not easy. He chose that road, but they were full of purpose. They were not easy, but they were full of purpose. Sometimes we make decisions based on whether it's easy or not, or based on whether it's just gonna work or not, or if, it, if, it, if it's too much pain for me, then I'm not gonna do it. And I think that's the wrong way to make a decision because I think we gotta make decisions based on, is it purposeful for me or not? whether it's easy or hard. But sometimes we just want to you know, shortcut the system and so we try to do the easier things, but Joseph decided, no, this is not going to be easy. This is actually going to be really, really hard, but I'm going to do this. The other thing is, is this. He got involved in something um, that actually changed his life. That changed his life. In fact, you, you said, we don't have anything about, else about the innkeeper. You know? We have... We have um, He's, his life was not changed. He was not remembered for much. Yeah. yeah. So we have, we have Joseph, you know, and we have this life and this, this um, all of a sudden he's given this incredible responsibility, this incredible gift to invest and care for the Messiah. I can't even wrap my brain around that, right? But that's, that's what he got um, to do. He got involved in something that changed his life. Um, I think we could say the same thing. If you're, if you're someone who follows Jesus, you could say the same thing. If you stepped into a relationship with, with God, he's inviting you into life change over and over and over again. Um, you have a story of life change. Yeah. I have a story of life change. Yeah, my, my life can be summed up, uh, my early years for sure, by the terms cared but not enough. Mm. Or cared, and I love what you said, cared about the wrong thing. I wanted to take the easy route. I wanted to, to, to take the, the easier decisions, the, the decisions that weren't gonna change much about my life because it would cost too much. And so time and time again, I was faced, almost like the innkeeper was faced with this decision. What are you gonna do about this? About this whole God thing, about this Jesus thing? What are you gonna do about it? And time and time again, I just cared, but not enough. I, I, it's, it's truth, it was just, I cared, but I didn't want to change my life. I cared, but it cost too much. I cared, but that's going to change my schedule. What about my reputation? What about my friends? What will my friends think? And there was a moment where um, I just realized that I either had to care and do something about it, or I just had to walk completely away. And I'm so glad that I had some friends who were nudging me to make that decision, to care and to do something about it. Yeah, 
My story's pretty similar. Like I grew up uh, in, a, in a church where I heard the stories over and over and over again from the Bible. And some of you grew up in that way. And some of you didn't grow up in church at, at all, right? And, and that was just my, my story. I grew up in church and I heard these stories over and over and over again. But I got to this point a little later on in my life when I was, a, 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 well, almost a teenager, where I was at this camp and um, this guy got up and he began to share what I would say now is the, the gospel, like the message of Jesus and uh, he, he, the fact that if there was no one on the earth but me, he loved me enough to go, to go to a cross for me, bearing a weight, bearing the sin that I couldn't bear myself, dying a death that I deserved to die but couldn't die on my own. And then he rose from the dead and he, he, he returned to life and therefore, he offered me free life. He offered me salvation. He offered me grace, offered me forgiveness as, as a free gift, not anything I could earn. And so I had this moment where I'm like, I know the stories, I know the stories, I know the stories. And I finally got to this moment where it was like God just kind of shined a light right down on me. And I realized, oh, I can know these stories and, it, and it's just not enough. Like, I've got to actually step in. I've got to lean in. I've got to trust. I've got to jump in with both feet into what I would say is like a relationship, a personal relationship with God, where he was pouring himself into me and inviting me to step into the life that he was offering. And so that, that night around the campfire, even though I'd heard the stories and it was like I cared, but just enough to kind of attend church with my family, I finally said yes. I finally said, okay, Does, did that mean everything went perfectly? No, not at all. But it was the moment that I see as the, the thing that marked the beginning of um, my relationship with God, he'd been pursuing and pursuing and pursuing, knocking and knocking and knocking. I finally said, I finally said yes. So, so let me say a couple of things here as we close. Like you came today and that's a big deal and we, that should be celebrated because I think that, like you said, that's a, that's a um, what you're saying in that is, I don't wanna just come and, and, and jump through the hoops or, or, or whatever, or, or maybe you did that today a little bit, like someone took you, brought you here, and, but, but maybe the challenge as you leave today is I don't wanna be just someone who checks the box and comes to church and jumps through the hoops and, 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 and I care, but not enough to let it impact my life. But I think that the fact that you're here uh, on, a, on a day like today is just evidence of like you want God to change your life. You want him to do some amazing things in your life and you're ready to, to just come and be a part of um, a, a place where we're seeking that out together. Um, also for you, maybe he's been nudging you or, or, or calling you or pulling you in a particular di direction and you've been saying no, 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 but there's finally this point um, where you realize, I gotta say yes to what he's asking. Like, I, I, I gotta say yes to that, or I might miss out. Like I might miss out on, on life. And I'm scared to say yes, because it means a lot of unknown. It means putting my future on the line. It means putting my reputation on the line. It means putting these things on the line that I, I care a lot about. Can I just ask you, what is God nudging you toward today? And would you be willing to say yes without having all the answers? Because you're not gonna ever have all the answers. Finally, this. Um, now is like, for some of us, now's the moment, actually, to change your story. Now could be that moment for your story to change. Now could be the day where you step into the story with the capital S that's his 
story, not your own little one. Like you can say yes to his greater story when, when maybe you've realized I've actually been saying no. I've been saying eh, sorta, but that's actually a no. And I'm gonna actually step in and say yes, regardless of the consequences, regardless of what it means. I'm gonna say yes. For some of us, that's just stepping into a relationship with him like, like maybe we did in our past at one point. And maybe that's the invitation for you today. For some of you, maybe it's the invitation to say yes to what he's calling you to and not no. Maybe it's the invitation to, to ask God, would you just rattle this box that I'm in for a while? God, would you just shake me up? Like I'm too comfortable? Would you pry me loose? Maybe that's your prayer today. Um, I'm gonna invite you to consider that. Like don't, don't leave today without considering that, please. Please. Um, for your sake, for your family's sake, and for your relationship with God's sake. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.